You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Eastern Michigan 87-67 to in what was unquestionably the most impressive 40-minute performance by the Indiana Hoosiers all year. This is an Eastern Michigan team that, when a lot of people looked at the schedule ahead of the season, really looked like probably the fifth toughest game during the non-conference stretch. A solid team with a lot of experience, a really good interior player, and they had played Arkansas State and Howard about evenly to what Indiana did. And I think a lot of us came into this game thinking this could be a tough 40-minute dogfight. You know, you look at the name Eastern Michigan, maybe you think it's going to be a blowout, you know, but don't think that because this could be a tough game. And Indiana just really played solid. Nothing real spectacular about today's game, but they played solid, limited the turnovers, you know, kind of the cliche, you know, hit singles and doubles instead of going for the home runs. And outside of a really short stretch near the beginning of the game where Indiana had a couple of turnovers on some home run passes, they just played solid got the ball inside against a really tough zone and just didn't have any poor stretches. And for a team that has really struggled to be consistent within games from half to half, it was so nice to see. And frankly, it was nice to see after Eastern Michigan shot lights out again, another opponent going nuts from three-point range, even with hands in their faces, that came back to earth a little bit in the second half. And you saw what Indiana was able to do, which is basically outscore Eastern Michigan by 15 in the second half and win going away. We are excited to break it down for you here on this edition of the Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined momentarily by my co-host, Andy Bottoms. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Really a lot of options to choose from, but I want to take you back to six minutes and 20 seconds left in the first half. And this was after Colin Hartman had come in and really given the Hoosiers a jolt. And when that happened, I thought, you know, something really spectacular is going to have to happen for Colin Hartman to be unseated for the Banner moment as he came in, played it, had a great defensive possession, then drained a three. But frankly, I thought something really spectacular happened right after that. And I think it was really indicative of why Indiana has started to play better. And it's because they're buying in to what Archie Miller is trying to get them to do. So soon after that play by Colin Hartman, over on the D or on the offensive end, actually, Devontae Green is dribbling, lost his dribble. It looked like it was going to be a turnover. And out of nowhere, Jawan Morgan just comes streaking into the camera, dives on the floor. It felt like he dove almost halfway across the floor, but he dives across the timeline and gets the loose ball. And I think he ended up getting fouled and knocking down a couple of free throws. But, you know, we've seen Archie Miller get really upset. I mean, visibly upset, throwing towels, you know, calling timeouts, yanking guys out of the game when guys don't get on the floor for loose balls. And this was, you know, just the craziest example of a guy sprinting, diving for a loose ball. It almost looked like, you know, one of those loose ball drills where the coach just rolls the ball out and you go and dive for it. And I just thought, you know, it was also indicative of Jawan Morgan 
you know, coming off of the best box score game of his career, he didn't do a whole lot of box score things today, but he continued to lead with his toughness and with his energy and with his grit. And I just thought seeing him get on the floor and seeing that grit, not only was it a great play that turned into points for Indiana and prevented a turnover, but to me, it was just another sign of a team that is starting to buy into what the coach is selling. And I think that's why Indiana won this game by 20, because not only were they getting on the floor, but they limited turnovers, played solid, and just went out there and played an Archie Miller type game. And that is great to see. And another reason why there was so much progress uh, and why it looks like Indiana is now ready for that five game gauntlet when, you know, just as recently as a week ago, we all looked at that and thought, man, what is Indiana going to do for these games? So an excellent play by Juwan Morgan. Um, and in a game where Indiana really did a lot of the little things right, I thought that was a great microcosm of it. All right. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And our friends at Hoosier Proud have an amazing discount going on right now. I got an email about it earlier today. Normally, you get a 15% discount as an assembly call listener when you use your promo code assembly. Well, between now and Monday, so Black Friday to Cyber Monday, use the promo code Hoosier Holidays because you get 30% off. That's 30% off everything. The assembly call t-shirts, all their you know officially licensed IU gear, their Hoosier State themed gear, all of it. Use Hoosier Holidays and you get 30% off. And Andy, you were just telling me that you actually used the promo code earlier today. Uh, to pick something up at hoosierproud.com. I did. This is real real life examples of how it can benefit you in your life. You know, I I got on. I had not had a chance to order one of their uh, officially uh, licensed IU shirts yet. So I went on and, and grabbed one of those this morning. The other thing that I'm always struck by on there is a lot of these places, they really in with a good deal and then they try to screw you on the shipping. Uh, shipping, I think, for, for what I got was like $2.95 or something like that. So, um, you know, definitely affordable from a shipping perspective. Already got an email that it went out. Um, and so, uh, you know, have gotten multiple shirts from there, all quality stuff and was uh, was excited to get the offer code this morning in my uh, in my email because it was a good reminder that I need to go get a shirt. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's why we love working with Hoosier Proud because they're great. Uh, so again, go to HoosierProud.com, use the promo code Hoosier Holidays, and you will get 30% off your entire order. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And that is Andy Bottoms as unfortunately, you know, I don't know. We joke sometimes about Ryan. You know, he lives in San Diego. He's on goes on a trip to Italy. Now he's in Maui. Uh, and he got stranded in Maui at the airport, had a couple of flights delayed. So he is not able to be with us today. Uh, so hopefully he uh, hopefully he gets back safely and soundly. And I'm sure he'll be back for the Duke game because he wouldn't miss that for anything. Uh, but Andy, you are here. So let's do the bottoms line brought to us by IUtickets.shop, the URL to use when you want the best prices on IU basketball tickets. Yeah, typically, I mean, you you feel bad for somebody who gets stranded somewhere in a, an airport situation, but Ryan somehow lucked his way into getting stranded in Maui. So uh, sympathy is at a is at a relatively low level from Jared and I at this point for him. But uh, at any rate, I mean, so many good things to talk about in the game, and and you know whether that's Josh Newkirk's play, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, you know, Robert Johnson shooting the ball well again. Freddie McSwing with good minutes off the bench. Uh, McRoberts with some huge minutes. The McLineup made its triumphant return and actually was effective. It was plus two, in, I think. <laughs> in a game. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so, so I guess that probably is, you know, maybe maybe points me in the direction of of really talking about what a team win this was. I mean, 11 guys played. Uh, 10 of them scored at least three points. Uh, 10 of them grabbed at least one rebound. Nine of them had at least one assist. Um, and, and really when you look overall, you know, 13 or, or 19 assists on 31 made field goals, 
They shot the ball extremely well from three-point range. And and the ones they made, while you could say this isn't going to be a great outside outside shooting team over the course of the season, which I don't think it will be, um, shot the ball well was they were all good shots within the flow of the offense, um, movement, and things like that. And that, to me, is really where the team uh, aspect of things came in. You know, they, they didn't turn the ball over, but it was more for me, the ball movement and just the approach to attack in that zone. Um, you know, I, I won't blame anybody if they were, you know, kept up at night leading up to this game by the thought of a team playing, you know, strictly a zone defense against IU and wondering how they would react. And I thought, um, you know, from the opening possession where a couple passes and they get a dunk uh, it, it really throughout when they played through uh, through the interior of that zone. Uh, moved the ball quickly and 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 didn't really force things into the into the gaps on the off the dribble drive. Um, they were really effective in scoring and they did a good job of taking care of the ball despite what Jess Settle said at halftime of the game. And um, it was a really good team win. You saw the approach they were able to put in on a quick turnaround with just you know two days between games. Uh, and they came out and executed that really well. And I think the entire team gets a lot of credit for that. And I think on a day when so many guys played well. And while we've talked about, hey, we've done a good job on the show, not going up and down the roster of talking, uh, I probably wouldn't be all that opposed to it if we ended up doing that tonight for, yeah. uh, with maybe a couple exceptions. But uh, but really, everybody that came in, you know, did something well, made a big play, uh, either offensively, defensively, keeping a loose ball alive. And, um, it, you know, doesn't have a superstar. That is not surprising to anyone at this point. The first few games of the season have done little to change anybody's thoughts. Um, and with that being the case, they're going to have to play well collectively as a unit. And we've talked on other games that they're not going to be successful if everybody isn't bought in and everybody isn't playing the way that they need to play and, and playing as one. Uh, and and they did that today, and you saw the result. Um, and as much as it was probably disappointing to only be up five at halftime because, uh, you know, Minnie was shooting out of his mind in the, in the first half. I mean, outside of that, they're up double digits at halftime against a good team. Uh, and so they really took it to him in the second half. It got within two points and they ripped off, a, I think, a 21 to five run uh, at some point to do that. And I thought there were a number of guys who contributed to that. So, so to me, um, this was a, a true team victory where you can look up and down the roster at guys who played really well. And I think that... Um, in addition to playing the 40 most complete minutes of basketball we've seen from them this season is a great sign heading into a really tough stretch. Absolutely. All right. You are listening to the assembly call IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 87 to 67 victory over Eastern Michigan. And you know, Andy, I agree with you. I think we need to go up and down the box score. And we need to talk about, you know, a lot of the individuals because so many individuals had uh, important performances. But let's start off by talking about the coach. I mean, I think Archie Miller deserves a lot of credit, as you mentioned, for having his team ready to play on a quick turnaround, obviously over a holiday break. I mean, this team came out and they were really locked in, really engaged from the start. You know, we've talked about how, is, how does this team start? You know, they came out and scored the first five points of each half. Uh, you know, and and actually had a lead at the under uh, 16 minute timeout in the first half, which was nice to see and hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't really been happening. So I thought that was really good. I think it's kind of incredible that, you know, to watch a team play basketball that knows how to attack a zone. That is extremely refreshing. And I thought inside of the game, he made some very interesting decisions. I thought he managed Deron Davis pretty well, you know, kind of managing his his time with, you know, when Deron Davis picked up fouls. And I thought when Deron was on the court, even though he played limited minutes, I thought Indiana really focused on getting him the ball and getting involved so that he was able to be really effective. And you could tell at the start of the second half, there was a concerted effort to go to him when he was out there. 
But then I think the most important decision Archie made is he limited Devontae Green's minutes today. And we've talked about kind of the bad Devontae, good Devontae dichotomy that we've been seeing. Uh, and today I thought Devontae was very poor. I, I thought he made, you know, he tried to make some home run passes when they weren't there, made a couple of other bad passes, was not containing dribble penetration, which Archie talked about as being a real focus for the team. And Devontae only played 12 minutes. And it may not be a coincidence that Indiana did such a good job of limiting turnovers. You know, again, only having the eight turnovers for the game and playing more consistently when its most volatile player wasn't on the court. And obviously, it's a little bit easier to do that when you have Josh Newkirk and Robert Johnson really shooting well, because I think some of the biggest benefits Devontae has brought during his good stretches, or frankly, he's just made shots when other guys aren't making them. Uh, but Indiana didn't need that today. They needed solid play. Devontae wasn't giving it, and Archie was not afraid to sit him down when he wasn't doing what he needed him to do. So I thought, you know, a lot of decisions, a, a lot of uh, reasons to uh, to give Archie some kudos, but that one with Devontae especially is one that stood out for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Not not starting him in the second half, I right move. I mean, Al Durham continues to take great care of the basketball, you know, add 30 more minutes to his 100 minutes of, of turnover-free uh, play after tonight with five assists and no turnovers. And I thought he deserved to start the second half. That made total sense to me. And then even Devontae, when he came back in, you know, tried to make a cross-court pass the first time, got, you know, hit right back into his lap, and then continued to try to make the same pass again immediately thereafter. And I don't know that he played... Uh, after he got taken out following that, there was a sequence in the first half where he fell for two straight shot fakes, neither of which was all that much of a shot fake, quite honestly. And, you know, if he we, we've talked about this before and I, I wrote it up in the postgame email from last game. I mean, he can do things that other guys cannot do on the roster. Um, but, but he also does like tonight, things that some other guys don't do, you know, when he's other guys. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of give and take in that. And I thought, you know, tonight he just didn't have it, didn't really seem into it, took some poor shots, um, you know, made it, tried to drive between two guys into the zone when good opportunities, when they move the ball, uh, you know, inside out and, and did things well that way. So, um, yeah, kind of a frustrating game from him. But I think if you want to, you know, take that and put a positive spin on it, I, I think it's that there were other guys who were willing and able to step up in his place uh, that weren't there. And like you said, it's easy to say that when, you know, Robert Johnson and, and Josh Newkirk combined for 35 points, but Josh McRoberts came in and, and gave some good minutes uh, off the bench and, um, or Zach McRoberts. Uh, no, Josh. Yeah, I, anyway, <laughs> it's <Zach. laughs> easy to second, easy to second guess yourself after multiple. Yeah. So Zach McRoberts, McRoberts came in and played well. Um, I thought you saw just a number of guys be able to pick up the slack when he wasn't playing well. And I think when, when you start to go back and think about that, you know, he does things other guys can't do well. All right. Now there's some other guys who are, are showing that ability to continue to come in and play under control. And I think that's going to be difficult. And I want to see him respond to that the next game. Cause I didn't love the shot of him on the bench late in the game when, you know, Hartman is standing right next to him, you know, up still really into the game and clapping. And he kind of looked like he was sitting there with a towel on his head, feeling bad for himself. So, um, but I, you know, absolutely deserve the playing time that that guys got tonight was warranted, and um, I think that's all that you want to see. I think we've seen that throughout the season so far, and that kind of consistent approach to it is something that everybody has clamored for for a while. In addition to a team that looked like they, uh, you know, know what to do against the zone, which again we saw tonight, which uh, you know was a uh, was a very welcome change and one I'm happy to get used to uh, going forward from here. 
By the way, let's talk about Colin Hartman here for just a minute. I mean, it was awesome seeing him back out there. You know, he plays six minutes. Uh, he obviously comes in. You know, I mentioned that the great defense that he played while he was out there, uh, especially at the start, and then he drains that three. Everybody goes nuts, which to me I thought was like the most predictable beginning ever. He comes in, gets a big ovation, drains a three. and So predictable, in fact, that you did predict it before <laughs> did, the game. Yeah. I did predict it, yes. Uh, but then, you know, they put the stat up there. What is Indiana is uh, 42 and 21, I think, with Hartman and or no, 47 and 20 with Hartman, 21 and 20 in games without him. And, you know, then you look at it today. He only plays six minutes and Indiana wins by 20 in a game when they haven't been consistent. So I don't know if like it's just a coincidence with Hartman or if he has like the greatest intangibles ever, because, you know, I've seen people saying like, you know, man, Indiana is really in some trouble if they're hinging their hopes this year on a guy who, you know, has a career scoring average of four and a half points. But I don't know, man, when you watch these games, this team sure as heck seems to play better, not just when Colin Hartman's on the floor, but just when he's playing. And obviously, I think, you know, it's kind of been building to this. Indiana has played progressively better. And, you know, they were due to have a game like this if they were going to keep growing. But, you know, look, all I know is Indiana has the record it does when Colin Hartman plays. He came out there, played today, played well in the time that he was out there. And I feel a heck of a lot more confident when he's playing. I don't know. Maybe the team does, too. I mean, I can't totally explain that record, uh, but there's got to be something to it um, because the team just seemed more comfortable today. And maybe having Colin Hartman available to play helps put everybody at ease a little bit. Oh, he, I mean, he came on the floor and they immediately wanted a 7-0 run. So, I mean, yeah. at some point, maybe it's not a coincidence. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I thought he played well. I thought he made it in the middle of the zone. Some of them led to guys getting up with one of seven consistently made good decisions and even if shots didn't go down was setting guys up um even he just was a, a and knew exactly where he was going to go with the ball this is what you need to do because um let the defense react and, and him make a play and so i thought he did a really good job of that throughout even though it was only in six yeah, Andy uh, seems to be having a little bit of Wi-Fi issues, so I don't know if the audio was a little choppy there for you, but it was for me listening to him, so maybe we'll have him hop out and come back in. Uh, but let's take a quick break, uh, and coming up on the Assembly Call, I'm going to point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 
Very impressive 87 to 67 victory over the Eastern Michigan Eagles. And it is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed, which is brought to us today uh, by our friends at SeatGeek. And as you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better and simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. And with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. And there is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I also use their desktop website. And it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets. And if I was going to be anywhere in the vicinity of Bloomington coming up this week, I would definitely be right there on SeatGeek right now looking for tickets to that Duke game. Because whereas that felt like kind of an inevitable blowout loss just about two weeks ago. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a lot better about it today. Uh, so if you want to get tickets to that game, go to SeatGeek, check out uh, the IU page and look and see what the prices are for that Duke game. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, that's promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. All right, let's go to today's meaningful moment that you may have missed and a lot to choose from today. You know, I mentioned this at the beginning, uh, but I want to talk about the stretch of play from Deron Davis at the beginning of the second half. Because again, you know, Deron was kind of in foul trouble, didn't get to play as many minutes, but this was a big game for Deron because, you know, James Thompson, Eastern Michigan's big man, is a really good player, uh, an experienced player, big guy with some size and some toughness. You know, you could kind of call him like a poor man's Angel Delgado a little bit. He's clearly not on that level, but he's a double-double machine, a really smart player. Uh, and and Duran kind of shrunk from the challenge against Angel Delgado. But today, I think he really rose to the challenge and played well in the minutes that he was out there uh, and helped Indiana maintain an advantage in points in the paint. And I thought what he did at the start of the second half was really important because Indiana came out, and he mentioned that Al Durham started over Devontae Green, and the Hoosiers came out and made a concerted effort to get it inside. I mean, that was the goal all day you know, against this zone was to play inside out. And Duran is really good against the zone because he can both score, obviously, when he gets in a one-on-one -on -one situation because he has such great post moves, but he's also such a terrific passer. And so on those three possessions, the first pass went into Duran, he scored. And then on the next two possessions, it went to Duran. One was a little bit of a high-low action. I think the other one was a kickout for a three-pointer. Uh, and Indiana, three straight possessions, three buckets, two points, two assists for Duran Davis. So they're going inside and good things happened. And we have seen Indiana as a program struggle to get the ball inside to a big man, even when they've really wanted to. But today, Indiana was able to do it, and Duran really took advantage and flashed the, those versatile skills that he has down low. But what I also liked from Duran is, you know, he picked up his third foul soon thereafter, and it was that double foul where he's just playing really physical defense with Thompson. I thought kind of a bogus call, but whatever, you know, that was the call. And you could just see how ticked off Duran was. I think he was both frustrated at the call, but also a little bit frustrated at himself for picking up a foul because we know how much he's trying to play without fouling. And I just thought, you know, on a team where a lot of the guys are a little bit emotionless and that's not necessarily bad, 
it was kind of nice to see some fire from a player, just his attitude, the disappointment, um, you know, when that happened, because, and I didn't think it was, you know, kind of a, you know, a bad attitude type thing. I just thought he was frustrated at, at not being able to do what he had really tried to do there in terms of playing defense without fouling. So I was just impressed both with what I saw from Duran skill wise uh, and, you know, from whatever you can take from some body language analysis. Uh, I just liked it. I liked that fire. Um, because that to me was a guy who really cares uh, and is really trying hard to do things right. And if he continues to string together performances like this one and put that Seton Hall game in the rear view, he's going to still have a really big season for Indiana. And so I thought that stretch of play was really impressive. It's funny. You just see how important he is. And I mentioned this, you know, both the fouls he picked up in the first half were kind of off the ball or not really in some regard. And it just, you know, that's the part that's frustrating. I mean, and tonight he ends up with 11 points in 13 minutes. I think he had seven points in seven minutes in the second half. And so you see how efficient he can be even against an, another solid post player. And he did play well when they played through him, uh, made a lot of good decisions. Kind of like the same thing I said with Hartman. Uh, he made good decisions when he got the ball in the post, whether it was scoring for himself or setting up other teammates. And, um, you know, if he can find a way to take that piece out of his game. And he's certainly going to need to do that against another, you know, Duke team coming in with a ton of size on Wednesday. And I, I agree. I, I like to see the emotion that, that he showed there because uh, probably frustration that came from, um, you know, for, for a group of guys that we haven't seen show a ton of emotion on the court in recent years, it was, uh, it was kind of good to see. I just didn't want him to, you know, smash and like break his hand or anything <laughs> hitting on the floor, <laughs> yeah. but it was exciting to see him, uh, it's good to see that. It's good to see that guys care. It's good to see that they get frustrated, recognize their own mistakes and things like that. And um, yeah, you can kind of see that call brew and they were, they were banging across the lane and then the ultimate, you know, bang, I don't really know who to call it on. So I'm going to call both guys foul from uh, an official whose name I do not recall, but made a number of poor calls over the course of the game. Almost as bad as the Blarge from, uh, from last year. Yep. Uh, okay, one other meaningful stretch I want to talk about, and Andy, this can segue us into talking about the, the really terrific play from Indiana's senior guards. You know, Robert Johnson was pretty quiet uh, from a scoring perspective early in the game, uh, you know, and, and I thought not necessarily that he was passive, but just didn't get a lot of opportunities to shoot. Um, you know, also probably didn't probe the zone quite as much as Josh Newkirk and Al Durham did, both of whom I was very impressed by. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Al had five assists, Josh had four, and Robert only had two. But shoot, you look up at the end of the game and Robert led the team in scoring with 18. And a big reason for that is because he scored 10 points late in the game. And I think we're now seeing, you know, basically two straight games. I think against South Florida and Arkansas State, Robert hit a dagger three-pointer late that basically told both those teams, you're not coming back. It's over. That's it. And I thought he did it again today, you know, because Indiana was up by 18, 20 points late. And then, you know, Eastern Michigan made a little like four or five point run, kind of cut it back a little bit. They even cut it to 73, 60. And this is when Robert basically went on his 10-point run, hit a couple buckets, hit a couple of threes, and it pushed Indiana's lead right back out. And it was kind of like Rob saying, okay, you guys carried us this far. I'm the senior. Let me step up and make some shots. Let's just end this, remind Eastern Michigan where they're playing, who they're playing against, and let's go home and get ready for Duke. And I thought that was a really impressive stretch from Rob, and I thought it was impressive how he didn't really force the issue today. Today, to me, seemed like a guy who was maybe a little bit more comfortable in his role scoring. 
uh, and he was six of eight, four of six from downtown, shot it with more confidence. Uh, and so that was good to see. Um, and, and then obviously we talked about what Newkirk did. I thought it was by far his best performance of the year. It looked like late season Josh Newkirk from last year. He finishes with 17 points, four assists, and three boards. But I'll tell you what, there were a couple defensive plays that he made uh, in the first half that led to steals. Uh, and then the block that he had late for a guy who I haven't thought from the eye test has looked as engaged defensively so far this year. I thought he was really locked in defensively. Now, Indiana still struggled a little bit containing dribble penetration from the guard position and that, you know, it's going to be an issue this year. But I thought Josh's hustle allowed him to get a couple of steals, a block shot that were really important. Um, so both of those guys, really, really big stretch. And especially for Rob, I thought that stretch late uh, was really meaningful. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought I definitely thought that was a big stretch from him. There was another shot that he made in the first half. They got down ten to uh, you got down ten to six, and he took a three that was probably a little bit further out than most everybody felt good about after the way he shot the ball most of the season and knocked that down just to kind of yeah keep him from you know kind of giving it what they had. But yeah, I mean, second half, twelve points, didn't miss a shot at all, uh, either from the free throw line or the field. Killed, uh, you know, one rebound, one assist, no turnovers in that side, and played 15 minutes. I, I thought he was able to get some rests at a couple key spots uh, during this game, and I think that was important for him as well to be able to finish strong. But he made good decisions, made some shots going to the basket, a nice floater, uh, and uh, and did some things there. Nice, you know, took a shot fake and and took a dribble in and made a, a you know mid range jump shot, which is something we hadn't seen from him a lot this year. So, starting to get his confidence back which obviously is important um as for new I, I tweeted this out at some point you just feel good for for a guy like that and we're all been overly critical of him it's easy to be critical of him people to you know black line and say they need to take a scholarship away and silly stuff like that but uh i i just a really good performance from him to, and, and took really you know took a lot of shots i mean for, there's not gonna be a lot of games where you're gonna feel great about him leading the team in field goal attempts but I don't know that there were too many that he took that were completely out of control, short of the one that he threw up on the rim on the baseline just to, you know, just to beat the shot clock that that I think Juwan or, or Duran uh, cleaned up the miss on. But but really, he took good shots um, and and showed some of that three-point shooting ability that he showed late in the season. And at a certain point, um, I think he was feeling it and took one from pretty deep that was a, a heat check. But other than that, you know, really, really shot the ball well and um, but played under control. You know, one turnover for him, four assists. Uh, a really good play. He had the the play where he chased the guy down and and blocked a, a potential layup for Eastern Michigan. IU wasn't able to get the rebound, but you know, really hustling. And even at that point, I think the game was you know IU had started to pull away. So uh, I I thought a lot of good things from him. Encouraging to see him really bounce back. He had the those few good minutes against um, against Arkansas State, and then really didn't do a whole lot the rest of the game. And I thought uh, played well tonight, and in some ways allowed Archie to try to send that message to Devontae because if if Josh Newkirk isn't playing as well as he is, I'm not sure that we see the playing time doled out. It was, but um, you know, a really encouraging performance for him. Happy for him to uh, uh, to come in and play so well. But a good all around game for us. Just three rebounds, two steals, and a block uh, in 31 minutes, and was the uh, the best in 14, at least based on the box score that I'm looking at here. 
Yeah. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 20-point victory over Eastern Michigan. Andy, let's go inside the numbers, and let's start with the three-point shooting allowed. Because, you know, again, it's another opponent that comes in and shoots a good percentage against Indiana. Uh, Eastern Michigan was 9 for 21 for the game, but I believe they were two, just 2 of 7 in the second half. 2 for 10. Uh, if my I got quick, 2 for 10. 2 for 10. Looking at. Yeah, yeah, because they were 7 of 11 in the first half. That's right. Indiana was 7 of 14 uh, in the first half. So they're 7 of 11 in the first half. And it, I mean, it just kind of feels like deja vu all over again. But, you know, so so the numbers are what they are, right? And Eastern Michigan ends up shooting a pretty good percentage, even though it wasn't good in the second half. But I don't know about you. I felt a lot better about the defense today than I did say against Indiana State. Like, I know Indiana State shot lights out, but I also felt like they got some, some even though they made some tough shots, they got some open looks, and Indiana just seemed confused on a lot of possessions. I thought today, you know, Indiana was defending shooters with more control, you know, not as many guys flying past, you know, on, on the uh, on the closeouts. There were a couple examples of that, but I thought there were fewer just breakdowns and wide open threes. And frankly, Eastern Michigan had one guy, many that just got hot and hit several shots with a hand in his face. But I thought, and I said this on the halftime report, look, I, you know, yeah, they're shooting really well, but if Indiana keeps defending like this, you know, you got to think that that percentage is going to go down. And sure enough, it did. And so I think that, you know, that number, that overall number, it's not going to help the season long percentage. And it's still a concern, but I felt better about it. And I know that Indiana gave up 1.08 points per possession the second half. What was it for the game? I think it, you know, it was still over a point per possession. And so that number isn't going to be good. It was one, in fact, it was 1.13. So that number isn't good. Um, and, and I think part of that stemmed from, again, Indiana, you know, really struggling to, uh, defend some dribblers and, and obviously allowing 21 free throws for Eastern Michigan isn't good. Uh, they actually shot more free throws than Indiana did, but from three point defense perspective, I didn't think the defense was as bad as the numbers today. Uh, and that's maybe, you know, one of the first times we've been able to say that this year. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Many made some really tough shots in the first half and, and sure there were times where, you know, you got to stop helping off of them at some point, but yeah, he made a number of shots with a hand in his face and, I think it was Zach Osterman. I forget. Maybe it was somebody else who said, you know, he took a few uh, of where the look on his face was like, well, let's try this and see if it works out. So uh, and and they did more often than not in the first half. But, you know, water found its level uh, after the break. And I thought I thought by and large they did a better job. I think there's still the biggest issue that I saw today was just communication on some of the ball screens and things like that, where you'd either have both guys go back and when they would try to switch back, it just was kind of clunky. Um, but I thought overall they they did a good job. And the other thing they did better in the second half, uh, quite frankly, was rebound the ball better. Um, the, the second half rebounding, I'll have to try to find the the box score here. But I, IU was um, down on the glass after the first half, but the second half they out rebounded uh, Eastern Michigan twenty one to ten. Yep. So um, another you know important. I, I don't know if you call and it. An a lot of those were offensive too, because Indiana had an offensive rebounding yeah. percentage of sixty seven percent, which is obviously quite good. Not bad, yeah. not bad. Uh, so yeah, I thought that I thought that was good. Um, the turnovers, I, I think there's probably not a game that that happens that we're going to come on here and not talk about that. Eight turnovers for the game, three uh, over the first, I think less than five minutes of the first half, and then none the rest of the way in the first half, and just five in the second. Um, so be curious to see kind of when those happen and things like that. But I thought those were um, those stood out. They had a really good advantage in points in the paint, thirty-four to twenty, uh, which is kind of hard to do against a team that plays so much zone and a team that has a really good big guy to kind of balance that out. So. Uh, I thought they did well there. Um, and so, yeah, they continue to play positive. 29 bench points. That continues to yeah. be a strength again. 
And it was the balance uh, of those. It wasn't like one guy came in and scored 25 points. Yep. You know, Freddie scored 10 and on down the line, you just got contributions from a lot of guys, which was impressive. You know, again, this team doesn't have a superstar and there may be, yeah, you're going to have to figure out, you know, the offense, I think in a, in a perfect world, we've seen that that kind of runs through Duran and in a late game scenario, it might be Robert Johnson. who's taking the shot, but there's no superstar on this team. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. And so they have to have this kind of balance and continue to get production off the bench. And I thought they did uh, a really solid job of that today. And the, and the two point defense was good again uh, against the team that's got, you know, good uh, Thompson was four of 10 from the floor uh, over the course of the game. And I think you saw, um, from that sorry this is i don't know if this is inside the numbers or not i'm just kind of taking this and run with it so hey go uh, with it, we'll, we'll continue to one of the things that they cut into that that kind of cut the huddle uh against seton hall and archie talked to them about really wanting to front the post against delgado and they came out and they basically just didn't do it either they didn't know how or they didn't you know couldn't execute that on the fly but that was a real part of the game plan today and i thought they did a lot better job of that newkirk had the one where you know he kind of flew in like a free safety from behind and doing that but you always saw the guy on the, the backside, the weak side defender, where he was, so that if that pass came, that they could come up and challenge it. And I thought McSwain did a really good job of trying to use his body. He's given up uh, size from a height standpoint, but I thought he did a good job using his body. And um, I, that contributed to the good two-point defense uh, as well. And so I don't think IU had as many block shots tonight as they did before, just four as opposed to nine in each of the last two games. But um, the two-point defense continued to be really good, and I thought their approach to uh, how they guarded Thompson in the post was a big factor in that. Yeah. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 87 to 67 victory over Eastern Michigan. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's best performance of the season in 87-67 to 67 victory over Eastern Michigan. Uh, Andy, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, Freddie McSwain and Aljamie Durham, a couple of guys who came off the bench and I thought really provided some good minutes for Indiana. Uh, you know, Freddie finished with 10 points. He had nine boards, four of them offensive. And, you know, it, that it was nice that he was able to make four of his six free throws. Obviously, he missed the big alley-oop. And again, you know, I think Freddie is going to be a guy that, you know, if you look at points scored to potential points, you know, there's always going to feel like there's, you know, kind of a, a big gap there because he's going to, you know, maybe fumble a pass away and not connect on a dunk, that kind of thing. And it's just, look, you know, Freddie is not the perfect basketball player, but he is a role player who really plays his role well. And it's noticeable when he doesn't, you know, he didn't against Seton Hall and didn't play very much. He didn't against South Florida, but he got back to doing Freddie McSwain things against Arkansas State. And did it again today. And, you know, look, when Deron Davis can only play 13 minutes in a game where you're going up against some really tough big men, while Deron played really well in those 13 minutes, that's 27 other minutes that have to be accounted for. And for Freddie McSwain to be able to come in and, and contribute some points and lead you again in offensive rebounds and, and get a block shot and be able to play certainly not perfect defense and not even great defense, but passable defense without fouling, uh, that's what you want from him. And, and and I think we have to be careful with our expectations of Freddie, but if you're expecting Freddie to be a role player who comes in and just does those things, then I think you have to be happy with what he did today. Uh, and so I thought a solid effort from Freddie. And then obviously Al, again, you know, the five assists, the no turnovers, he continues to just be 
such a solid player. And I think what's interesting about Al and something to really watch, and one of the reasons why he doesn't commit turnovers is he is so adept at throwing the ball away from the defense. And I know that sounds like kind of a basic concept, but watch some of the passes that Robert Johnson and Devontae Green in particular make when they turn the ball over. They are really trying to thread the needle with the defense and, and, and you know, or just kind of making a pass on the perimeter where they're kind of throwing it in the even space, you know, where, the, where the, the, the defender can get his hands on it. And Al is so good at throwing the pass away from the defense or over the defense, you know, when he does that little lob pass and he does it in a way that doesn't really get you know guys out of their rhythm, and he doesn't necessarily do it when it's a shooting situation. But he smartly does it when you know it's you're trying to reverse the ball and get it over there, uh, and so you're not you know taking a shot away because the guy's having to wait for it. But that's one of the reasons why he does that, uh, and I think it's it's really nice to see a guy who's just a freshman be able to do that. So you know we mentioned the bench, Andy, and those obviously were two guys who really provided some good minutes off the bench. Two guys who know what their role is on the team. They fill it, and for the most part, don't try to do too much, and that's exactly what Archie needed from them today. Well, and I think the other common thread between those guys, and, and you alluded to this, is that they can affect the game without scoring. Uh, and I think that's, you know, this team needs points. There's no question about that. But and they, you know, they combined for 16 points. But it isn't to say that they they didn't or they can't score points. But when you look at the second half for Al, I thought he played incredibly well. And then you look at the box score, and he's uh, but had two assists and no turnovers in, in 14 minutes and just played a really solid half was, uh, you know, got guys the ball where they could succeed, you know, made the pass that led to the pass that, that made the shot um, and and just continues to, you know, be so poised and uh, level-headed in the game. Had another offhand floater uh, this game. So, um, yeah, again, just continues to make smart decisions. Your point about the passing is a good one. Uh, and then McSwain, just activity level with him. I mean, more often than not, good things are going to happen. And I thought he actually did a good job, caught some time. Um, never going to be a guy that has great hands, but I thought he did better in that regard today. And there was one where the ball was kind of you know squirting along the, the baseline, and he was the guy who was able to pick it up and ended up getting fouled uh, shortly thereafter. And and he was another guy who got a chance to make plays in the middle of the zone, uh, made a nice turnaround, kind of drive to the basket in the second half. And, and I thought he played uh, really well throughout. And, and as you said, uh, when Duran's playing 13 minutes, somebody's got to got to eat up a good chunk of the others, and he he was a guy who who ate up almost all uh, of the others. Led the team in rebounding, uh, had nine. The next closest guy had five. So uh, a really a really strong performance. Really active. Loved the way that he battled on defense, giving up a ton of size, but um, really battled well in that regard. And and I thought played uh, certainly career high in points for him, but one of his better games. Uh, and and nice to see him string together a couple of good performances. I think in some ways, you know, lo- looks a lot like. The team in, in that regard as they've strung together a couple good ones and, and they certainly are going to need him uh, against Duke. I would like to see Freddie be a little bit more committed to getting up and down the court faster and transition opportunities. I do think that kind of lacks with him a little bit. Uh, but again, I think overall it was a good performance. And let's also let's talk a little bit about Justin Smith, who, you know, again, limited minutes, but once again, proved to be a really effective player in the zone, you know, had six points and five boards in those minutes. Uh, you know, continues to just be a solid player and show you what you want from a freshman. And that, you know, kind of the same thing with Zach McRoberts. You know, again, he came in, played eight minutes, probably got some of those minutes that that maybe a guy like Devontae Green would have gotten in the past as Green and Curtis Jones only combined for 18 minutes. And Justin Smith and Zach McRoberts, you know, they combined for 20. And and you might not have thought that uh, coming into the game. But I thought Zach, look, I thought he earned more playing time. And that's not some kind of overreaction like Zach McRoberts needs to be, you know, playing a ton or even be in the rotation, but he hadn't played at all, 
right? And so I think what he showed today is in a situation where Archie needs to turn to him, whether it's because of guys in foul trouble or guys just not hustling, frankly, or needing a spark, you can count on Zach McRoberts because he came in, uh, you know, was able to score a couple of buckets, grabbed a couple of rebounds, you know, didn't have any big defensive breakdowns, just did the kind of things that you want. Um, and so I don't think he'll play every game, but I have to think that what Archie Miller takes away from this game is, you know what, if I need Zach McRoberts in the future, he's going to go out there and play my style of basketball, duly noted for the, you know, again, for the next time I need you. Yeah, it's funny. A couple of quotes about uh, Al. I missed the opportunity to put this one in, but one one of Archie's quotes after the game uh, was about Al leading the team in plus minus through six games. That's really rare for a freshman to have that type of impact. And one of the reasons is he doesn't turn the ball over. Amen to that. Um, yeah. On as and and then on McRoberts and McRoberts, he goes Zach in particular. What a great teammate. He should be in there a lot more. Um, so perhaps what you just suggested will will happen. But I thought. Um, you know, McRoberts was was more active, less uh, reticent to actually shoot the ball when he was in there. And, you know, four points, three rebounds and assists uh, in in eight minutes. That's that's not too bad. And he came in, was in the right spot. I think, you know, didn't love what he was getting from Devante or, or Curtis Jones and, and put Zach in and, and he did a nice job. And then Justin Smith, I mean points in 12 minutes that's that's not too bad at all again was active on the you know, on the uh, offensive and defensive glass finished up one of the uh, clunkier fast breaks that i think i've ever seen with a nice dunk and uh <laughs> the dunk you know, was that, nice though the dunk was nice i have no idea how the ball actually got its way up the court but it did it did work out well in the end so al durham uh, things man al durham things so no i thought the, you know i thought i thought he played well uh i was actually a little bit surprised i didn't see more of him uh, given the zone, but I think other guys were playing well from there. I think part of that's a function of Hartman being back to get a few minutes, uh, and and they had other guys do well from the middle of the zone. But uh, yeah, Smith continued to do well. Hit a nice, uh, I think he hit a, a nice face up jumper uh, as well in the in the game, and I think continues to see he's going to be able to expand his game out. And I think over the course of time is going to be able to you know really step out and hit some threes. Uh, he's got a nice shooting touch when he has has put him up there. So um, performance from him so the rotation would seem like it was tightening up pretty good uh with hartman and, and mcroberts in there expanded to 11 guys today and now that'll probably contract again a little bit but uh interesting to see with everybody healthy how how those minutes get doled out because uh you know most everybody who came in today played played well all right you're listening to the assembly call i am jared morris here with andy bottoms breaking down indiana's 87 to 67 victory over eastern michigan uh and again you, know, you may say okay this is a, a, a win over eastern michigan why so excited well you know you look indiana entered this game 87th in ken palm and they jumped up to 76th after this victory uh and so it's you know it's a good team that that where even you know the computers value what you do against a team like eastern michigan uh, and the big jump for Indiana was offensively, where Indiana is now 38th in the country uh, offensively and really starting to show some nice balance. And look, they're probably not going to shoot this well from three again, but it was nice to see that they have this, you know, when they're patient, when they work it, when they get good shots. Uh, so that's good to see. Uh, let's talk about Juwan Morgan here a little bit, Andy. Again, you know, he's kind of been the headliner of the last two games. And I thought today what Juwan did was very similar to what he provided against Seton Hall. And again, that was a game where his contributions didn't jump off the page on the box score. But Archie, uh, today in his pregame uh, talk with Don Fisher, mentioned again how well he thought uh, Juwan played in that Seton Hall game. And there are going to be games for Juwan Morgan you know, where maybe it's a little bit harder for him to get in the flow offensively in terms of scoring. 
but he is, is now showing him this is four straight games that no matter whether he's getting a lot of opportunities on offense or not, he's going to create them for himself with offensive rebounds. He's going to make good passes. He's going to set good screens. He's going to lead the team with hustle. I mean, he did get the banner, you know, was the uh, mentioned in the banner moment today because of that great hustle. Uh, and I thought he played pretty solid defense on Minnie uh, in the second half and played some good defense on him in the first half, too. Minnie just happened to hit some shots over him. Uh, so... This was a hashtag Juwan Morgan things game where, again, doesn't jump out at the box score, but I thought he was very effective again. And, you know, we're really, I think, as you look at what are the biggest positives that you can take from this three-game stretch, South Florida, Arkansas State, and Eastern Michigan, to me, it's exactly what I wanted to see. Will Indiana's upperclassmen step up and really start to lead? And I think Robert Johnson has definitely done that. Juwan Morgan has definitely done that both in terms of their attitude and their effort, but also their production. And it looks to me like Josh Newkirk kind of you know joined that train with them today. And I think that's huge because all these contributions from the young guys are great, but Indiana is only going to be able to be as consistent, as good as its upperclassmen allow them to be. And I thought that was a really good sign from these three games that, that those guys seem ready to take that step. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up against the better competition, but Juwan Morgan was chief among them, and this was another impressive performance. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought he did pretty well defensively you know the numbers probably don't show that if you look at you know how many scored when he guarded him but I thought he made uh you know the challenging looks that that he did make in the first half he made those tough shots so uh, I think that was positive and I think for him a little bit difficult in a game like this where there was a lot of zone um you know he played well in the middle of it at times had a couple assists but more than that you know didn't turn the ball over at all you know we're just gonna beat that into the ground I'm sure but you know again made good decisions um didn't force shots and passes that weren't there and out and reset then so be it but when the team was patient offensively they were able to get good shots uh against the zone and i thought he did a nice job of that and was you know just activity level and things like that there will be games when he give in a game like this and play well and there'll be games when he might score 20 points like he you know like he did the other night um but i think it was one where his presence on the floor was still felt, even though he wasn't, you know, racking up points and, and rebounds at quite the clip he had been over the last, you know, sixty minutes of basketball leading up to this. All right, Andy, let's uh, let's begin our look ahead a little bit early right now and talk a little bit about this Duke game, which is coming up. Uh, because again, two weeks ago, I didn't feel obviously I've been predicting Indiana to beat Duke since the game was scheduled, uh, and I haven't officially backed off that yet. I said I wanted to kind of take a wait and see, and I certainly wanted to see Indiana play better over these three games. They have. And I just looked, and Texas is up 64-48 on Duke right now, so that certainly makes me feel a little bit better. So I was not anticipating being able to feel quite as good right now going into that game. Uh, and who knows, maybe Duke comes back and whatever. But frankly, I feel like Indiana has put itself in position, this is the important point I want to make, to have earned some confidence heading into that game. And this is something that Archie Miller has talked about. You really have to earn your confidence. And certainly I don't think a whole lot happened over the first few games for Indiana to do that. But with what they've been able to do in these three games, again, the competition hasn't been great, uh, although it was a step up in competition today. But I think Indiana has done some things to earn some confidence and more importantly, to earn some confidence playing Archie Miller basketball because he's now really got some examples on tape of, look, guys, when you hustle, you create extra possessions and we're really efficient on offense. When you don't turn the ball over, we get extra possessions and we're efficient on offense. When we play tough, gritty defense and keep guys out of the lane, from the perimeter and control guys inside, we can be pretty good defensively. So what I'm saying works. I know it's a tough transition, but if we do it, it will work. And I think that's so important that over these three games, it's not like Indiana just revert into some old habits and those old habits worked and you won, but it's maybe not 
you know, that meaningful. I really think these victories were meaningful in the fact that they progressively played more and more consistently Archie Miller style, style basketball heading into this Duke game. And that gives me confidence. And I think it should give the guys some confidence. Yeah, I, I definitely think had that Duke game come at a different point, you know, even in the middle of some of these three games, I think we all feel a lot different about it. But um, yeah, they, they, they've played well. They've had the growth that I think that you talked about that we wanted to see. And yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows what happens? Duke's going to play their third game of the PK 80 on Sunday. Uh, so they'll be getting back, you know, flying cross country, getting back, then getting to Bloomington. So um, yeah, right now, Texas is shooting about six, 60 plus percent on two pointers, which we know I used done well. Yeah, so Texas has a 14-point lead and is 4 of 20 from 3. Now, um, Duke played a ton of zone against Michigan State. Um, that against IU or not, I don't really know. Um, but they you know, they did show a lot of that against Michigan State, I think, with some fear of their front line and, and things like that. So it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting game. I think people will have, you know, the, the atmosphere there was going to be uh, electric regardless. But I think to have a team coming in off of its best performance of the season will only help that uh, and really it'll just be a matter of whether guys can come out and not be not be too hyped up but I think it'll be a far more interesting game than I, I probably would have answered you know if you asked me the same question a week ago no that you're absolutely right there's going to be legitimate belief in the arena and, and there are there are different things it's like you know you think back to the Kentucky game in 2012 right you know, yeah, it, it was exciting because the number one team is coming in and, and there's excitement, but there was belief because they had beaten NC State. You know, there was, I think fans actually legitimately believe, hey, maybe we can actually win a big game. And so, you know, this wasn't on the road and I don't think it was as important as that victory. But I think what this did, because I think Indiana, you know, we're a smart fan base. I think everybody knew that Eastern Michigan was a good, solid team and that to beat them by 20 is something impressive. That's going to up just the level of insanity at Simon Scott Assembly Hall because there's going to be belief now that Indiana can come out and do this and that hopefully we've put some of those early season struggles behind us. So obviously we got to come out and do it now. And it's a it's a totally different ball game, you know, playing the 150th ranked Ken Palm team and then maybe the most talented team in the country that has all these lottery picks. So it's not like those are, are equal in any way. But for a team that needed some confidence, I think they've earned some of that. And that's huge coming into such a big battle. So Indiana did exactly what it needed to do in these three games. Uh, and that's really big. All right, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we're going to hand out our game balls. Not so obvious today. So this will be interesting. Uh, we'll do a little bit more detailed look ahead at Duke uh, and what they're bringing into Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And then we will also deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Eastern Michigan. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Breaking down Indiana's best victory of the season, its most impressive victory, 87-67 to 67 over Eastern Michigan at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Friday afternoon. Uh, and let's go with our game balls, Andy. And again, it's been pretty easy, uh, the choices, the last couple of games, but I am curious to see who you're going to go with today. Yeah, this is a, I guess where you don't have a, a clear cut guy who's, who's out there. Um, you know what? Do I have to pick one guy or can yes. I, can I go with it? Ah, okay. No, no, you gotta go with, pick a guy. It's still fun go for everybody. If we, if we do that, I was going to go with the bench collectively since they had played so well. I mean, they had 29 points and, uh, I think 18, no, tw 21, 29 points, 20 rebounds, I think. And, and eight assists. All right. I won't do that up there. Um, so <laughs> I've, I've passed them up the the last couple but I, i'll give it to robert johnson um 
maybe this is a, a culmination of these three games and, and seeing him continue to shoot with a bit more uh, with a bit more confidence. But I thought that stretch that you mentioned uh, in the second half was important because I, I found myself thinking we all got into this place where it's like no lead feels safe. And so I was like, oh, if they score here, it's down to 12 or whatever it was. And he really just, you know, kind of took over the game in that in that moment and kind of has become a little bit of the closer that this team has needed over these last couple of games. And I think, you know, those plays made it, you know, made a really good uh, that big three pointer that I mentioned in the first half had a, had a good hustle play to uh, you know chase somebody down and, and knock the ball off their leg to create a, you know, prevent an easy basket. I think that was in the first half. Um, I just thought another solid all around game from him. One turnover. Um, didn't rebound quite as well or as much as he had in other games, but I thought just another another solid performance from him. Didn't get caught up in trying to do too much against the zone. Took shots when they were there and got a better shot when it was when it was possible and, and made some smart passes that may have led to other passes. So uh, I'll give it to him, but I think there were any number of guys that you could have given it to. And if I could have could have gone away from the one guy, I probably would have just given it to the bench because I think those guys provided a huge spark uh, and a huge lift. You know, the bench did uh, provide a big spark, but it was nice to see that the starters, you know, got off to decent starts and kind of held their own, you know, because Indiana really has had to to be digging out of some holes recently with how they've started games. And, you know, today uh, it was like it was 5-5 at the at the under 16 minute timeout in the first half. So I misspoke earlier, but Indiana did outscore uh, Eastern Michigan 10-8 between the, the uh, that first TV timeout and the next one. So a 15-13 advantage. And that's big. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a nice, solid start. You're not getting off to a bad start. You're not having to play from behind. Uh, and then I thought they did, you know, something similar in the second half. You know, they, uh, uh, I think uh, Eastern Michigan might have had like a two point advantage right off the bat, but then uh, Indiana was able to go on a run, a 12 4 run right after that and push that lead up. Uh, and so that was big. And so for that reason, I'm going to stick with uh, the starters and I'm going to go with Josh Newkirk, uh, who I thought was really terrific today in a bounce back performance. Like I said, clearly his best performance. And again, the two things that I liked most from Josh today, number one was just the defensive activity, because I don't think he's been showing that as much in the awareness, but he was pretty locked in today. And I think, you know, the the attention to detail and just the awareness that he showed on on a couple of those steals, particularly the one, Andy, you know, where you said he looked like a free safety. I, I actually tweeted out that he looked like Earl Thomas on that play, you know, coming and intercepting that pass. That was good to see. But then just the confidence that he shot the ball with. I mean, that has been something that has been such short supply this season for Indiana. Just guys who just with their body language as they're shooting it where you feel confident that it's going in. And he just really stepped up and made some some big shots, obviously going five for six. And look, I don't, you know, I don't know, maybe it's ridiculous to say, but, you know, he made those shots. And then, frankly, it looked like Robert Johnson was more confident after that. And sometimes you see your teammates, you know, making some shots and going in and that can help get you going, too. So, you know, Robert Johnson's a senior. I don't think he necessarily needs to see someone else's shots go in to have confidence. Uh, but it was nice to see Josh make those shots uh, and, you know, him stepping up and doing that led to Indiana's best shooting day of the season. And it couldn't have come at a better time because obviously Indiana is going to have to make some shots if they're going to compete against Duke. Uh, nice to see that they did. And nice to see Josh Newkirk bounce back. I think maybe two post-game emails ago, uh, we send out a post-game email uh, every day or after every game. And one of the sections is lingering questions. And I think it was just two games ago. One of my lingering questions was, you know, what is Josh Newkirk's future in this rotation? Because he had had a couple straight games where he had just looked, you know, really disengaged. And obviously Al Durham was stepping up and taking minutes. Well, Josh Newkirk showed today, you know, he's not going to give up his minutes that easily and played terrific. Uh, and like you said, because he was able to do that, you know, Archie Miller was able to sit Devontae Green down on a day when he wasn't playing very well. So game ball to Josh Newkirk. Uh, really nice to see Indiana's senior backcourt stepping up 
like it did today. Uh, and you know what? It's nice to have so many options to choose from. That's a good thing for this team. I think if we have more of these game ball segments where it's hard to choose who gets it, uh, that's going to be a good thing moving forward. We will happily accept that challenge if it means more impressive Indiana performances. Uh, all right, Andy, let's talk a little bit more about Duke. Uh, you know, we've kind of mentioned some reasons why it's reasonable to have confidence, a little more confidence heading into that game to think that Indiana can really compete and maybe give the Simon Scott Assembly Hall a chance to work its magic because it can only work its magic if the team you know does its part and makes it a competitive game. Uh, and so certainly I think I feel like we can feel better about that after today's game. But what specifically is Duke bringing in? Uh, because obviously they are quite a talented team. Well, as of right now, um, they have the number one uh, most efficient offense in the country. So they bring that. So that's uh, that, that'll be a good early test for, for IU's defense. I mean, they've scored at least 88 points in five of their first six games and over 90 in four of the first six. Um, so that, that part's concerning. They have a, a really strong offensive rebounding percentage, 45% so far. Now, outside of the Michigan State game, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they played anybody all that good. So uh, who, who knows what these numbers will look like after the Texas game, which they've cut the lead to like six the last time I looked at that since we Damn talked it, about I that. I jinxed it. <laughs> oh. Could you? Um, but, uh, you know, so... so right, I don't want them coming in off a loss. You know, I want no, them coming back. You know, well, they got another game in, in Portland either way, but... Okay, good. Um, so, you know, offensive rebounding is a big one. You know, Marvin Bagley, uh, talented freshman, really active on the on the on the glass on both ends of the floor. Grayson Allen had that great game against Michigan State. Uh, hasn't shot the ball particularly well since then. So you've got him, but you've got a pretty young team. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's really, you know, kind of transitioned over time. You know, Trayvon Duvall is a point guard, he's a, a freshman who if you can get him to uh, you know, take outside shots, you're you're in a pretty good spot. Hasn't shot the ball particularly well well. Uh, Wendell Carter, a, a good freshman big man. Gary Trent Jr., son of the Shack of the Mac, um, is a you know another freshman there. So Solid you know they're pl they're Solid playing reference. a ton of you know they're playing a ton of freshmen uh, as has been in recent years. Um, but that hasn't really affected their offense. And, and at some point, you know, talent just wins out. Um, so you know they're right around top fifty in effective field goal percentage, turnover rate, and uh, and as I said, you know, offensive rebounding. They've been really good. And then defensively, they're in the 40s uh, at this point. They've done a really good job of limiting free throws to so their opponent's free throw rate. They're eighth. Um, so that's a big one. Like IU have done a good job of limiting to uh, opponent's just 42% from uh, from two-point range. So and, and a pretty high block rate. So, you know, kind of a, a mirror image of, of IU in some ways in those couple stats. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, defensively, other than not putting people on the line and, and the two-point shooting, it's out. They don't turn you over a great deal. Uh, don't really lock up the defensive glass, but a young team, and I think that'll be the biggest thing. This will be their first true road game uh, when you look at their schedule, and and so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they react and and what everyone expects will be a pretty crazy environment. So I think that's you know something that I don't know how you really account for that from a statistical perspective, but you've got guys who have been pretty. That Michigan State game was a good game, was really up and down. They played most of that without Bagley, so they played a tremendous game there. Um, this will be, you know, kind of a different level of challenge. Not necessarily the opponent being as talented, but the venue uh, providing such a, you know, such, being such a factor in the game. That has always been one of my main reasons for why Indiana is going to win this game. As, as long as, again, as Indiana can do its part and play solid basketball, 
you give yourself a chance against a young team for them to really be rattled, you know? And, and I think, I think it's obviously going to be very important for Indiana to get off to a good start. You know, we've seen in some of these games where Indiana has upset teams early, they get off to a really good start, you know, while the other team is just kind of like trying to get their bearings over the first eight to 12 minutes. And a lot of times Indiana is kind of holding on at the end, you know, so you need to build a little bit of a lead, make some shots, keep the crowd engaged. But, you know, look, and that's the thing is for Indiana to be able to do that, they can't turn the ball over. They've got to play solid. They've got to avoid, you know, stretches of just defensive breakdowns on four or five straight possessions and then compounding it with turnovers. And that seemed like kind of a ridiculous ask as recently as a few games ago. But now it seems like something that's a little bit more reasonable to expect that Indiana might be able to do. So obviously it's an uphill challenge. Uh, you know, uh, Duke brings in a, a great team, but I, you know, I'm not backing off my prediction. Uh, I still think that this team is capable of winning that game. And when you bring a bunch of young guys into Simon Scott Assembly Hall, I think it bodes really well for the home team. And I have no doubt that Simon Scott Assembly Hall is going to bring uh, its best on Wednesday night. And I think these three games, which have led up to it, uh, are really going to help contribute to that. So uh, really, really looking forward to that game. Obviously, it's going to be, a you know, just a, <laughs> a fun atmosphere, a fun game to watch. Uh, and hopefully the Hoosiers are able to play at their best and uh, and come out on top. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. But don't use the promo code Assembly over the next few days because if you use the promo code Hoosier Holidays, you actually get 30% off. And as Andy mentioned earlier, he used it. Uh, so definitely, if you've been thinking about checking out HoosierProud.com uh, and supporting them, Obviously, supporting them is a great way to also support us. Uh, and so go to HoosierProud.com, check out their awesome designs, pick up an assembly call shirt while you're there, uh, and use that promo code HoosierHolidays, and you get 30% off the entire order, and then with no surprise shipping charges on that. It's funny you mentioned that, Andy, because I ordered something. Uh, it wasn't a shirt. It was like this canvas print. Uh, and you know, you got I got a great deal on it. Like The whole thing was free, but then shipping was like 19 bucks, And I was like, well, what the heck? You know? I mean, I... And obviously, it's more expensive to ship a canvas print than a shirt. But you're right. Sometimes they do that, and they get you on the shipping and handling. Um, but Hoosier Proud's not going to do that to you. So check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, Andy. Uh, I think this is going to be the last show for a while that we'll have to do without Ryan. Uh, I can't imagine that anything is going to keep him from the Duke show, uh, which is good because Ryan is especially fun after Duke games, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll have him back. But for now, it's just us for last call. So your final thoughts on today's victory over Eastern Michigan and really this, you know, this three game stretch leading up to the Duke game. Uh, what are you thinking about it? I mean, this game was just really fun to watch. I mean, it was a competitive game in the first half. They were back and forth. Um, you know, both teams making shots and, and playing well. And it was, um, you know, I think some of these other games, it was, you're, you're kind of looking, I don't know, you're looking for so many different things to happen or to go well, or did they do this right or do this wrong? Uh, and this game actually like just, had a good flow to it and felt like you could just sit back and enjoy the fact that they were playing really well. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, you know, a welcome site. And I think when you look at that over these last three games, like the amount that they've built, if you go back to the, you know, the first half of that Seton Hall game was really good. Um, you know, the second half of the South Florida game was really good. Parts of each half against Arkansas state were really good. And I thought today for a full game was, was pretty good. And so I think you continue to see them building and you know, the season goes quicker than you think it does. And, and you know, there's six, games into the season, which is about 20% of the games at this point. Um, and and when you kind of take a step back and look at it that way, there's about one game different than what you thought it would be. I don't know that a lot of people predicted to win at Seton Hall in the you know first kind of true road test. And so you're one game off of the pace that most everybody expected. 
Uh, and you've seen a lot of growth since, you know, since where they were to, to start. And I think that's what's encouraging. And that's the thing that um, any game where you play Duke would be exciting. Um, but I think the growth that they've shown over that, over that period, you know, say what you want about the competition. That's fine. Um, but, but some of the things that everybody has been watching for are really things that you're watching for independent of whoever they play. If they played against five one zero and played against no one, just ran a shell of the offense and, uh, you know, tried to do things that way, you'd still look for the same things that I think they've done a, a good job at. So, um, feels like the message is starting to get there. These three games have been kind of a, a little bit of a break in some ways in between to be able to step back and work on things. I think they got everything they wanted out of those games, um, you know, in terms of you know, everybody's healthy at this point. You got Colin Hartman back to at least be able to play a few minutes. You worked on some things. You saw growth, um, and it and it ended with their best start to finish game of the season uh, in my eyes so far. So that's a good spot to be in uh, with a, a really tough uh, stretch of games coming in. But I think I feel better about their chances to maybe win two of those games than I probably did a week ago. And so, from a fan perspective, which ultimately at the root of this is what we all are, is is encouraging. And and so. Um, the fact that we've been on here three games in a row and debated between upperclassmen to who to give the game ball to, uh, and you know each of the you know kind of six we've given out over these last two games has been some combination of juniors and seniors, and so I think that's a a positive thing. But you can also point to the freshman playing really well. So certainly a tall challenge, um, both literally and, and figuratively against Duke. But um, you know I feel I feel good about how this team is playing heading into that game. And I think they should feel good about how they're playing and go into that game with a lot of confidence um, that should hopefully only be bolstered uh, by what I expect uh, on every level to be a raucous crowd at Assembly Hall. Oh, man. No question about it. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I agree with everything that you said there, Andy. And when, you know, when we sat here after the Seton Hall game and Indiana's one and two and you know, you're just you're not feeling very good about where things are. Uh, you know, we talked about how, you know, you know, these P words, right? Like we needed to have patience and we needed to have perspective, you know, patience because, you know, there's a new system being installed and perspective because especially with older guys who have played one way for two or three years, they're having to unlearn that and they're having to play a different way. Uh, and you're also trying to work young guys in, and obviously you have to have patience with them. Uh, and that, you know, if we, if we had patience and perspective and Indiana did their part to show progress, we'd be on the right path. Right. And maybe we'd have a prayer, uh, in this Duke game, uh, because again, after that Seton Hall game, you, you kind of look at it and you're thinking, man, you know, that's, that's just going to be a, a death march for Indiana. But I think now, as you look at these three games, uh, I think Indiana has showed progress. And so I think the patience and the perspective that I think, you know, the team has basically been forcing fans to have uh, is being rewarded, you know, if you were there, because I think you've seen the progress that you've wanted. And Andy, as you mentioned, in really key areas, you know, the, the keys for what Archie Miller is trying to get this team to do, which is, you know, not turn the ball over and play smarter and have better shot selection. That's the other thing that, you know, we really didn't talk about on this show is, you know, there, there's a one there's one thing to limit turnovers, but do you also limit the really bad shots and probably have to go back and watch the film and chart it from every game. But just off the top of my head, I feel like there were fewer really poor shots. Like agree, just like, why are you shooting that today? Then we've seen, and you add all that stuff up and it leads to a really efficient offense. Like we saw today for Indiana, you know, obviously they've still got, uh, you know, some defensive areas to iron out and that's not surprising given what this program has been defensively. Uh, but I think Indiana showed some progress there too, over these three games. So all in all, uh, a lot of progress for Indiana over the last three games. I think a lot of reasons for Indiana fans to be excited. 
And now it's time. Hey, you know what? We've done this against, you know, a couple of mid 200 teams. Now we did it today against kind of a middle, you know, 100s team. Let's step the competition up now. And we're going to play a final four contender against Duke. We're going to play four other really good teams. Let's go and let's see what these guys are made of. Uh, I was not ready for this a week ago. I feel ready for it now as a fan. I certainly think the team is more ready for it uh, to accept this challenge. And I'm excited to see what Indiana can do uh, here over these next five games. And it all starts Wednesday against Duke. Obviously, we will be here. I know it's a late start, uh, 8.30, so it's going to be an especially late one for Andy. These are the games when I really appreciate living in the central time zone uh, and when Ryan, I'm sure, really appreciates living in the, uh, in the Pacific time zone and Andy wonders why he's uh, living in the East Coast. But, you know, well, in the Midwest, but on the Eastern time zone. But no matter what, no matter how late that game ends, we will be here for you uh, on the assembly call to break it all down. Uh, and definitely, if you have not uh, gone to assemblycall.com slash join and gotten on our email list, make sure you do it. You know, Andy wrote the most recent post-game analysis email. I thought he did a really good job with it. And we're going to try and vary the perspectives that we give you. But those are 1,500 to 2,000 word analysis uh, that we only send out to our email subscribers. It goes out to about 4,200 people right now. We'd love to see that number go up. We don't post it on our blog. It's just via email. We want that to be, you know, special for you guys uh, who really uh, support us by listening, uh, you know, by supporting us on the email list as well. So go to assemblycall.com slash join, get on that newsletter. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us so much over this Thanksgiving weekend with two games in three days. And we look forward to talking with you again Wednesday night for the IU Duke postgame show. And then we'll be back with our regular Thursday night show to uh, further celebrate and break down that Indiana victory over Duke on, on Assembly Call Radio as well. All right, until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.